0: We know, don't we? From uh, even even if we've not been a part of this series, we know that Job is famous for the afflictions that come his way, and uh, so the series is entitled "Blessed be Your Name." Job's confession that God's name remains blessed despite the afflictions that have come his way. But we know those of you who have been on the journey know that his mood changes, that his Uh, sense of uh, feelings change. At times he's lamenting, uh, even charging God with with wrong. At other times he extols his hope in the very same God. So as we read this challenging chapter, chapter 30, um, I want to ask the question, since Job is struggling to know that God is carrying him, Do you know God carries you? Do you know that he is carrying you through your life? It's been four weeks since the last time we heard from our long-suffering friend, Job. He's been patiently waiting as the season's festivities have come and passed us by. And I hope that your Christmas and New Year season reminded you of the long-awaited hope Of all the years, the Son of God, born of Mary the Virgin, born in humility, soon to have to flee the coming persecution of evil King Herod, in order that he might live a humble life of service to his people. A people who had, in general, little interest in him for the true purpose for which he came. Most of them were perfectly happy in their existence. I'm alright, Jack. We just need a strong ruler to overthrow the Romans and restore the privilege and glory deserved by the nation of Israel. The privilege and glory that we deserve. wonder if you can hear the masses today saying similar things. Making the same demands of our government. If only the government did this or that. And if people were to ever consider believing in a God, well, he would surely have to do a much better job of sorting out the misery afflicting the planet, wouldn't he? A planet that humankind is fast ruining. Well, apparently. Surely there's no God involved. If there was, he's not listening to us. And he doesn't care, apparently, about the suffering of the world. Perhaps you've heard such complaints from colleagues at work, or even family members who think that you're a religious nutcase. Well, friends, we can be thankful tonight that we have a God who is absolutely interested in the future of mankind. Our future. Your future. So much so that he sent his son. On a great rescue mission. To identify with the greatest of sorrows. And to take the burden of our sin on his sinless shoulders. The question is not whether God is concerned. But whether or not you know that he cares for you. Enough to carry you through every season of the soul both through times of elation and joy and times of dejection and exhaustion come with me to Job chapter 30 Job continues but now they mock me "'Men younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to put with my sheepdogs. "'Of what use was the strength of their hands to me, since their vigour had gone from them? "'Haggard from want and hunger, they roamed the parched land in desolate wastelands at night. "'In the brush they gathered salt herbs, and their food was the root of the broom tree. "'They were banished from their fellow men, shouted at as if they were thieves.' They were forced to live in the dry stream beds among the rocks and in the holes in the ground. They brayed among the bushes and huddled in the undergrowth. A base and nameless brood. They were driven out of the land. And now their sons mock me in song. I've become a byword among them. They detest me and keep their distance. They do not hesitate to spit in my face. Now that God has unstrung my bow and afflicted me, they throw off restraint in my presence. On my right, the tribe attacks. They lay snares for my feet and build their siege ramps against me. They break up my road, they succeed in destroying me without anyone's helping them. They advance as through a gaping breach amid the ruins they come rolling in. Terrors overwhelm me. My dignity is driven away as by the wind. My safety vanishes like a cloud. And now my life ebbs away. Days of suffering grip me. Night pierces my bones. My gnawing pains never rest. In His great power, God becomes like clothing to me. He binds me like the neck of my garment. He throws me into the mud and I'm reduced to dust and ashes. I cry out to you, O God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly with the might of your hand. You attack me. You snatch me up and drive me before the wind. You toss me about in the storm. I know you will bring me down to death to the place appointed for all the living surely no one lays a hand on a broken man when he cries for help in his distress have i not wept for those in trouble has, my, has not my soul grieved for the poor yet when i hoped for good evil came when i looked for light then came darkness the churning inside me never stops Days of suffering confront me. I go about blackened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry for help. I become a brother of jackals, a companion of owls. My skin grows black and peels. My body burns with fever. My harp is tuned to the morning, and my flute To the sound of wailing. May God bless us with his word this evening. As we unpack it I'm going to explore three areas. Firstly uh, the idea of being rejected by men. Secondly uh, being afflicted by God. And thirdly considering one who weeps. Firstly, being rejected by men. Secondly, afflicted by God. And thirdly, being one who weeps. Rejected by men. The last time we heard from Job, he was relating the blessings of his earlier life before his great affliction. That affliction caused, of course, by the spiritual attack of that great adversary of humanity, Satan, And as we took stock of our years in 2022, uh, or perhaps of our own glory days, if that wasn't last year, we recognised God's consistently kind hand of blessing in our lives. Lives blessed with family, friends, income, provision, homes to live in, opportunities for enrichment and joy as we Get together with others to celebrate life, to encourage and help one another. When we set time aside to remember the blessings of former times, friends, we are always helped, especially in more challenging times. The start of a new year presents a great opportunity to plan and take steps to bring more order to our lives to realise the benefit of positive change. But there's one small problem. We do not often enjoy change. We are often, in fact, more happy to remain in the familiar status quo, even with its frustrations and limitations. For example, we might think that we're much happier to live in a drafty home with its cracks and imperfections rather than go through the upheaval of packing up belongings being inconvenienced by being without our familiar creature comforts for a time oh poor hard done by me it takes real hardship to actually realise and appreciate the blessings of the good times this is certainly one of the reasons that God permits times of suffering to come upon us. And when they do, not if, but when, these times of difficulty are always limited and constrained. Because this life is itself limited. One day we will die. We will go on into the next life. After all, friends, God has prepared much greater things for those who love him. As Isaiah the prophet says in Isaiah 64 verse 4 and as the Apostle Paul would later quote, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. The question is, do we love him? Well, do you? Peter, the leader of Jesus' disciples, who was famously asked this same question repeatedly by our Lord, as he graciously, if painfully, restored him from his denials. Most of us, thankfully, do not face such obvious situations where we deny our Lord with our lips, But how do we deny the Lord with our actions and our lifestyles and our priorities? Are we more in step with the world than we are with the Spirit of God? Paul encourages the church of Galatia to get in step with the Spirit of God, as is right for Christians. Are we more in step with the world than we are with that Spirit? If so, the witness that we bear about the wonderful grace of the Lord who made us and saved us may not be as crystal clear as we would like. And so the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastises every son whom he receives. Hebrews 12 verse 6. Did you hear that? The Lord chastises every son who he receives. So, what makes us think that we are exempt from chastisement? Brother Job, what makes you think you should escape the trials set before you? Do you want to enter into the blessings of God? Do you want to discover the wonders of those things the living God has prepared for those who love him? The problem for us, and it's a big problem, is that in our natural state, we do not love God. And consequently, we have no right to the wonderful things that God has prepared. Until we realize that God is holy beyond our comprehension until we realise as we heard from Simon this morning that his ways are far above and beyond our ways we will never even approach the road that leads to the temple courts never mind even entering the temple courts until we realise that we are outcasts worthy of destruction We will never appreciate the degree of suffering that our perfect Redeemer endured for us. (laughs) You see, God's word says that God chastises every son who he receives. Jesus, the firstborn son, was also chastised. Not for his own sin. We deserve our chastisement. Jesus was chastised for our sin. The sinless saviour, the Lord of all creation, entered into our mess to sort it out. That's why Christmas is so wonderful. That's why the gift of God is so amazing. Because he, the perfect holy one, enters a world completely trashed and messed up by us. Praise God. And yet, Did we receive him? No, we rejected him. Job, in chapter 30 of his book, is appalled to the level to which he has sunk. Following these disastrous afflictions that have come upon him, he struggles to see how he deserved it. And his friends, those he hoped would reassure and console him, have abandoned and judged him. As we heard from Simon this morning, we do well to judge ourselves rightly first. Are our lives really and truly so upstanding and spotless? Do we really love God? Or do we love the privileged lives and the respect that we get in the marketplace? Friends, may our rejection. And our suffering lead us to consider the one who we had rejected. The one who suffered and died for us. Let us look upwards and not downwards. Have you ever wondered why the Bible asks the question, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Psalm 42 verse 5. Christ, the suffering servant, calls us to look upwards. Christ, the one who was afflicted by God. Job tells us that having previously had such a blessed and privileged life, now knows days of affliction, verse 16. These days have seized him. They have made him a prisoner of misery. His life has been completely turned upside down. But as we heard earlier on in Job's discourses, for example, just back in chapter 28, despite his misery and his affliction, Job knows where wisdom and help is found. With his God, his creator and his redeemer. So affliction needs not be the end game for us. Frequently, God does not intend that to be the case. He is a loving God. Instead, God may be using affliction, first of all, to win a soul to himself. Or, for those God knows and loves already, he uses affliction to sanctify and prove us. Like a lump of dough needs to be proved first in order to bake a successful loaf. So we need to grow and have the dross and undesirable inclusions removed from us by a process of refinement. Such refinement is typically unwelcome at first. It is arduous because it's so painful and inconvenient. But what is far and away more painful and inconvenient is being without a deeper love for God without a, knowledge, a deeper knowledge of his ways. Specifically, the way of Christ, who gave up everything for us. For example, having heard this morning's message on judging and forgiving others, we must recognise that we are not naturally those who forgive others with the kind of abundance displayed by God, and which he expects us also to demonstrate we are much more inclined to ask, what is the minimum God requires of us? The truth is that in this life we must learn to become those who continually repent, consistently seeking to grow in godliness, not because we're trying to earn anything, but because we want to reflect the beauty and majesty of Christ as he lives through us. We do not want to be bitter complainers who hypocritically look down on others though we do the very same things. But didn't God say that Job was a blameless man? Someone in good standing with him? Surely, friend, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. What does it look like to be someone the Lord considers blameless? Am I blameless? Are you? Would such a person blame others for their hardship? Well, in his helplessness, Job certainly levels some complaints on God and on his pitiless friends. But if we look and listen carefully, we actually hear some prophetic foreshadowing of later psalms and words of Christ. Job's soul is poured out, we read. At night his bones are racked. His garments are disfigured. He cries out, but no answer is forthcoming. These verses contrast with some of Job's previous hope-filled statements of faith. Now he is overtaken by despair. But perhaps inadvertently for Job... In articulating his suffering, he points forward to the suffering of the sinless one, Jesus, as he endured far more extreme, torturous treatment at the brutal hands of the Roman justice system. The Romans, having been enlisted by the religious leaders of Christ's own people to dispense with an inconvenience, the Messiah who challenged people to find salvation, not through observance of a man-made religious system that enriched and glorified men, but through the humbling, narrow way of the Lamb of God who would suffer for the sins of the world. The truth is that affliction is something born by all true sons and daughters of God. And it is a gift Because through it, we enter into a greater understanding of what Jesus did for us at the cross. How we deserved worse. But he, the one who carries us, deserves better. One who weeps. In the final seven verses of chapter 30... Verses 24 to the end of the chapter. In his despair, Job offers out the righteous things he has done, his sacrificial acts of kindness towards others, yet he receives nothing in his present to relieve or comfort him. At this point, Job seem, seems to be unaware of just how close God is to him in his suffering, but just how si- similar a situation. Christ, the high king of heaven, faced in order to liberate Job and every one of us from our misery. Times of misery, of unbearable suffering and torture, they exist in this life precisely because human beings have not cried for Christ. Christ, whose day was hard on our account. Oh, we we cry readily for ourselves when our lives become difficult or demanding. I remember facing the sleepless nights as a a new parent. Nobody, not any relatives nor any amount of antenatal classes can prepare you for the arrival of a newborn. The delight that such a new and precious little life brings is indescribable. But the earth-shattering trauma of adjusting to broken sleep, late-night grocery or pharmacy runs, the inconvenience of completely changing your usual routine, the agony of trying to console a little person who is incapable of reasoning but who puts the full uh, use of their little lungs into operation at the slightest discomfort can all prove... To be the opposite end of the spectrum. No longer delightful. But bringing great despair. Friends. Life brings both indescribable joy. And sometimes almost unbearable pain. But it is a great mistake for us to think. That the Lord our God is absent in times of pain. Actually God has designed every aspect of our journey to bring us closer to him and it is frequently through the times of trial that we come closest in our deepest despair and agony we surely must find comfort in acknowledging that indescribable pain was endured willingly by our savior in order that we might be forgiven of our sin and declared righteous through God's amazing gift of faith. And so Job has come as close as ever to death. His very appearance, says verse 30, and the sound of the mourners in verse 31 suggests that this might be Job's moment of departure. He's had his final moment of despair and he can do no more. Yet it was our Lord Jesus who came willingly to that point. Jesus came willingly to that point of ultimate despair on the edge of death for you and for me. He came willingly to the point of death on a cruel Roman cross in order that life in all its fullness might be ours. Because in our iniquity and rejection of God, in our love of the comfortable life, we had forgotten to nurture a spirit of continual thankfulness and worship of God. Instead of weeping for our sin, we wept for our discomfort. Dear friend, I wonder if this evening you feel like God has abandoned you. Is he refusing to hear you? Have you come to the point where you can bear no more? Well, like Job, we can let it all out. We cannot shock or turn away God. Christ died for helpless sinners like us. He came to right our wrongs and to make new what we have done our best to destroy So even in our misery, friends, let us humble ourselves so that at the proper time he may exalt us, casting all our anxieties on him because he cares for us, said Peter. Friends, when we are rejected, let us remember how Christ was rejected. In our affliction, let us remember Christ's afflictions. And as we weep, let us remember Christ weeping for Lazarus and for us. Despair will not overtake us if we are children of God. He will sustain us. As the famous poem, Footprints in the Sand by Mary Stevenson reminds us it is often only later on that we recognise that the single pair of footsteps through the sand were his as he lovingly carried us through our most difficult and challenging moments. So we bow our heads in prayer.